Welcome to the City Church Cardiff podcast. We're an Elim Pentecostal church in the center of Cardiff dedicated to bringing hope in the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you're inspired and impacted by this message. This morning, we are kicking off our sermon series called Resilient, where we're exploring what it looks like to stand firm under the strain, stand firm under the strain. Now, of course, we've been through a global crisis. We've been through a pandemic, and we're not quite fully out of it yet. We might be out of the worst in this country. We're not fully there yet. And of course, around the world, the effects are still being felt. But actually, even though uh, case numbers might be lower, we're still feeling the effects of all that we've gone through, all that as a nation, as people, all that we've um, managed to survive through. And the Bible tells us lots of ways in which we can get through hard times. Because actually, you know, a global crisis has been one of the biggest things probably in most of our lifetimes, but there are plenty of other hard times and challenges and tough situations that we face in life. And God has all that we need to build resilience so that we can get through things. And not just get through things, but get through things well. Throughout this series, we're going to be exploring a number of different Bible characters who can teach us lessons about resilience, about how we can build our resilience, how we can grow our resilience, how we can even learn through the challenging times that we go through. And today, I'm going to be talking about the character of Ruth, about Ruth. Now, being resilient means the ability to bounce back from difficulties or, or even bounce forward because, in fact, we can grow and learn through our most challenging of trials that even despite our setbacks, that we can actually grow and progress forward. Resilience is about persevering. It's about recovering from those hard times, not just getting through stuff, but getting through it well and not allowing the difficulties and the challenges and the painful times to make us bitter or apathetic or take us away from our relationship with God. Now, resilience doesn't deny problems. Sometimes I meet people who claim that as long as you don't name the sickness, as long as you don't actually describe the heartache, well, it's like it doesn't really happen. But that's not living in reality. It is important that we acknowledge when we're going through hard times. But while we acknowledge the difficulties, resilience enables us to look past them as well. And so for the Christian, it means that we're able to focus on God rather than focus on our problems. It means that we realize that God is bigger than even our greatest suffering, even our most painful moments. 2 Corinthians 4 verses 8 to 9 says, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. You see, the Bible is really clear that we're not promised a trouble-free life. We're not promised that everything's going to be plain sailing in our lives, but we are promised the Holy Spirit to help us to get through those hard times, to help us to get through those hard times well, and perhaps even come out the other side stronger. Now, the book of Ruth, which is in the Old Testament, tells us the incredible story of Ruth and of another woman called Naomi. And the story begins in Bethlehem with a couple called Naomi and Elimelech. And they're facing famine. And so along with their two sons, Marlon and Kilion, they move to Moab because they want to be able to survive. They want to be able to flourish. But tragedy hits in Moab because Naomi's husband, Elimelech, dies. And so she becomes a widow. She loses her husband. 
And so she continues life with her two sons, and they marry Moabite women, Orpah and Ruth. But then tragedy strikes again for Naomi, and her two sons die as well. So she's not only without her husband, but she's without her sons as well. This woman, she went to Moab to save her family, but she ends up losing them. And now not only is she facing the painful loss, the grief of having lost her husband and her two sons, but she's without her security, her protection, her provision at that time. And so she's left desolate without the means to be able to support herself. Do you know maybe some of you have gone into a relationship or a job, or maybe you started this year thinking things are going to be better. This time is going to be good. And maybe you've actually been hurt. Maybe what you thought was going to be your breakthrough has turned out to be your heartache. Well, do you know what? I believe that God has got something to say to you this morning. I believe that God has got a message for you this morning. Now, Naomi hears that the famine has passed in Bethlehem in her homeland. And so she does the only thing that she's got left and she heads back there. And she brings her daughters-in-law with her initially. But as they're traveling back, she turns to them and says, why are you coming with me? Go back home. Go back to Moab. That's your homeland. Go back to your mother's homes. You'll have a chance of marrying. You'll have security there. Go back. And as they weep and cry at this situation, she persuades them further and says, how am I going to be of any use to you? I can't provide you with more sons to marry now. Go back. Go back to where you're from. And Orpah, her daughter-in-law, amidst the tears, she says, okay, I'll turn back. And she goes back home. But Ruth says something different. Ruth, chapter 1, verses 16 to 17. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there I'll be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely. If even death separates you and me. These are stunning words from Ruth. This commitment that she's declared to Naomi, to Naomi's people, and to God. She says, I'm not going to leave you. I'm sticking with you. I'm here. I'm for you. This is incredible commitment. She lets go of any chance to go back home. And we can presume from what Naomi said that she had a family home to go back to and possibly even the opportunity to have got married again. But instead, she chooses Naomi. She heads to an unknown land, to an unknown people, and says she's committing to Naomi and to God. And here's where we learn our first lesson in resilience. Press into relationships. Press into relationships. You see, Ruth here, she's a widow too. She's lost her husband, and um, instead of that, that going back to the, the potential of marrying again to her home country, she chooses Naomi. She chooses loyalty to her mother-in-law and to God. Now, she grew up in Moab, so we can presume with it being a pagan country that she wouldn't have grown up with a relationship or knowledge of God, but through marriage, she got to know a family that loved God and followed God, and she chooses God. She chooses relationship over disconnection. Do you know, when we're in hard times, isn't it so easy to disconnect? Disconnect from people around us, disconnect from those that are close to us, disconnect from church, disconnect from God even. And I think there are a number of reasons why that can happen. Sometimes it's because we think we should just be able to face things on our own. 
Sometimes it's that we don't want to put a burden on other people. We don't want to overburden them. They've got their own stuff going on. I don't want to start talking about my issues to them. Sometimes it might be because we're frightened of vulnerability. We don't want to um, be vulnerable to others and let them know the difficulties or challenges that we might be facing. Sometimes it's that we can't quite believe that the tough times are happening to us. Why me? Why is this happening to me? And so we disconnect from others around us. Disconnection is too often a route that we can take when we're going through difficult times. And this is what happens to Naomi. In her darkest grief, in her deepest pain, she blames God for what's going on. She blames God for the situation that she's found herself in. She puts this barrier up between her and God. And she tries to send her daughters-in-law back home. She's in the depths of her pain, trying to isolate herself in her darkest of times. And in fact, you know, when she arrives back in Bethlehem, she tells people, don't call me Naomi anymore. Naomi means pleasant. She says, call me Mara, which means bitter. That's who I am now. That's my situation now. Call me bitter instead. But you see, Ruth here is determined she doesn't give up on Naomi. And I don't know whether she softens Naomi's heart or whether she just wears her down, but Naomi agrees to let Ruth keep going and come to Bethlehem with her. Do you know, I've just talked about name meanings there, and name meanings in the Bible are really important. Uh, I'd argue that perhaps name meanings are important now as well, but particularly in the Bible, names mean stuff. And so just as Naomi wanted to be called Mara, which means bitter, Ruth's name means friend. And what an incredible friend she was to Naomi. What a stunning friend she was to Naomi. Do you know, sometimes I think social media might have got us a bit confused about how to define relationships, because sometimes we think a friend is somebody who clicks like on our photos. <laughs> sometimes we think that a friend is somebody who's just, you know, wants to hang out with us when it's convenient for them, when it suits them. But friendship is so much deeper than that. I was once at a uh, hairdresser having my hair done in London, and I was sitting with a, a rumbling stomach. Um, to give you a bit of context here, when I was little, my mum once took me to the hairdresser, and um, I fell asleep in the hairdressing chair, and then I woke up, and I was sick everywhere, and I was sick all over the gown and all over the chair, and there was vomit everywhere. It was awful. And so I think probably subconsciously I don't eat before going to the hairdresser. It's like try and have the meal after having your hair cut. So I was sitting there with a rumbling tummy, had my hair cut, finished the hair cut, went to pay, left the salon and pulled my phone out of my bag to text my housemate to say, what are you making for dinner? With the hope, you know, you make some for me because I'm really hungry. And just as I was having my phone out and I'd sent uh, the text, two guys on bikes came behind me out of nowhere and grabbed my phone and rode off with it. And I shouted after them and um, considered chasing but thought I haven't got a chance really. And so I uh, realized that my phone has gone, went back to the hairdressing salon um, to quickly report my phone as stolen to make sure that uh, costs weren't going to be added onto it. And so I thought it would be better to phone the police first just so that I could get a crime reference number so that then I could phone my phone company. Now, much to my surprise, a couple of minutes later, two guys turn up from the robbery squad in the salon and they say, right, well, we're in time, so let's go and look for the person. So I get in the police car with them and we start driving around um, and we think we've spotted some guys on bikes and so there's a chase in the car first of all and then on foot... The police officer, not me, by the way, just on my hair done. I'm not going to be going chasing down the road. Um, but sadly, my phone was gone, and I didn't recover it. And so I went home, uh, back to my housemate, a bit later than I expected. Uh, dinner was ready, by the way, which was great. And I told her what happened. And I told her my story, explained what happened. 
And after I finished telling my story, she said to me, how much is a replacement going to cost us? Not how much is a replacement going to cost you, how much is a replacement going to cost us? And in that moment, I learned something really special about friendship. Because friendship is so much deeper than sometimes we recognize. Friendship often means lightening the load for somebody else. It means sticking with somebody even in the difficult times. And this is what Ruth does. Ruth pressed into relationship. She's committed to God, and she's committed to Naomi as well. She promised to stick with Naomi, even though the prospects didn't look great for them. Actually, the future didn't look so bright, and yet she promised to stick with Naomi. Do you know, resilience isn't about self-preservation. It isn't this thing where we isolate ourselves and kind of hunker down and try and figure it all out on our own, looking after number one. Resilience isn't best developed in isolation. Resilience is best developed in relationship, a relationship with God and a relationship with others around us. And so Ruth and Naomi, they arrive in Bethlehem at harvest time, and the first priority is, how are we going to survive? We need to eat. We need food. We need to be able to survive. And this is where we can learn our second lesson in resilience, and that is to pursue purpose. Pursue purpose. Do you know, when the difficult stuff in life hits us, it can leave us feeling powerless, can't it? Like, we don't really have control over stuff. Sometimes, you know, and quite often, the difficult stuff isn't our own doing. It happens to us. And so we feel quite powerless. But God has created us with a purpose. And not just for when life is going well. I believe that God gives us a purpose and God has use for us even in the hard times, no matter what season, no matter what difficulty we're facing. Now, practically, that does look different depending on the season that we're in. But actually, God has a purpose for you and me, no matter our season. He never counts us out. He never discounts us, no matter what we're facing. And so Ruth, here, she takes action, and she goes to do what she can to survive and to care for Naomi. Ruth, chapter 2 and verse 2, And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Now, what's been referred to here is a, a, a law in Israel called gleaning, which was the practice that uh, the leftover grain in a field was to be left for those who, um, who were poor, who were uh, destitute, who were struggling, um, that there was left for them to be able to pick up behind the harvesters. You can find this in Leviticus 19, 9 to 10, which says, When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. Now, Ruth qualifies on both accounts here. She's poor and she's in a land that is foreign to her. And so she goes to a field. She finds a field to collect grain in. Now, what we learn about in Ruth chapter 2 is the field that she goes to glean in just so happens to belong to Boaz, who is a relative of her late father-in-law, Elimelech. Now, Boaz is one of the only people who could help the two women in their situation. Ruth 2.3. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. I love this phrase, as it turned out. As it turned out... 
She just happens to be in the field that belongs to Boaz. Isn't it a great way to talk about God's providence, about how God arranges things behind the scenes? Because, of course, God had never abandoned Naomi and Ruth. He had a plan behind the scenes. He was arranging things to make sure that they were taken care of. And Ruth just happens to be in Boaz's field. How many of you have had an as-it-turned-out moment? How many of you have faced difficult times, but as it turned out, God was still with you? How many of you have wondered how you were going to get through a situation, but as it turned out, God actually got you through? How many of you have really struggled and wondered, how will I manage? And as it turns out, God is with you. Do you know there are some of you here this morning that you maybe need some as it turns out? Maybe you're in a moment where you think, I need an as it turns out. I need God to be doing something for me behind the scenes, because I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill. I don't know how I'm going to manage this relationship. I don't know how I'm going to get up and keep walking this walk. Well, as it turns out, church, God is with you. God is for you. God loves you. God has never abandoned you. God will see you through this situation because as it turns out, he's God. As it turns out, he's with us and he's for us and he loves us. And so as it turned out, Ruth was gleaning in Boaz's field. Now, Ruth didn't know that she was gleaning in Boaz's field. In fact, she didn't even know who Boaz was. But here's what I think. I think that by pursuing purpose, by taking a step and going and doing and taking action, I think she positioned herself right where she needed to be for God to fulfill his plans. I think she'd put herself in the right place to make sure that God would be able to fulfill his plan for her. Now listen, God doesn't actually need us to fulfill his plans. But isn't it amazing that the God of the whole universe wants to partner with you and me? He wants to work with you and me, and he wants to work through us as we fulfill our purpose, as we take these steps, whether it's a seemingly small step of going and picking up grain from a field. He wants to work through us. We can't do everything, is the reality, but we can do something. And I think that God can work through our somethings. God can work through as we pursue our God-given purpose, as we are obedient to him and that we step out into his will. I believe that he can do incredible things through us. And so as we carry on in our story, Ruth meets Boaz and he encourages her to glean in his fields and he offers her protection um, and commends her loyalty to Naomi. Word is spread about this incredible way in which she's loved her mother-in-law. And then Ruth tells Naomi whose field she's been gleaning in. She says, I've been gleaning in a field of a man called Boaz, to which Naomi's eyes light up because she says, well, Boaz is in fact a relative of ours. Boaz is a guardian redeemer or a kinsman redeemer in some uh, translations. A guardian redeemer was a a relative of the family um, who family members who were in need could turn to for help. It was someone who was responsible for ensuring that uh, family property and land didn't get lost, that even the family line didn't die out. And so this meant that if a woman lost her husband, that she'd be able to turn to a male relative who was a guardian redeemer who would protect and take care of her. So Naomi instructs uh, Ruth on what she must do uh, to go and talk to Boaz. And she says to meet Boaz on the threshing floor and that when he's asleep, that she's to lie at his feet And so she does as she's instructed, and Boaz wakes up. Uh, Ruth chapter 3, verse 9. Who are you, Boaz asked. I'm your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. 
Now, to our ears, this all sounds a little bit weird, doesn't it? Because it's not quite the kind of romance and marriage proposal story that we're used to. But that's what is happening here. Ruth actually proposing marriage to Boaz. She's asking for his protection, for his security. And this gives us our third lesson in growing in resilience. Practice courage. Practice courage. Ruth shows extraordinary courage by approaching Boaz and requesting that he fulfills his role as guardian, redeemer. He could have reacted in all sorts of ways. He could have reacted in all sorts of ways, um, but her courage pays off. Her bravery and her boldness ends up paying off. Boaz responds to her by saying, don't be afraid, I'll do what you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Do you know this phrase here, this woman of noble character? In Hebrew, it's eshet chayel, which a better translation actually is woman of valor. Ruth was a woman of valor, a woman of courage, a woman of honor. This is Ruth, eshet chayel. Yesterday marked 20 years since 9-11, the horrific terrorist attack that shocked the world uh, when terrorists attacked America, and 2,977 people lost their lives. One of those people was a girl called Asia Cotton. And Asia had won a prize to take a field trip, a National Geographic field trip. Um, she was 11, and she was on the plane that hit the Pentagon. She was traveling with her teacher and a couple of school friends. Now, after her death, the bravery exhibited by her parents was incredible. They set up a, a scholarship fund because Asia loved to study. She loved to learn. She loved just finding out about things and exploring. And so they wanted to make sure that other people had the opportunity to learn. And so they set up a scholarship fund in her memory. And many young people have had the opportunity to study and gain degrees and go into um, uh, incredible careers because of Asia's memorial fund. If we're going to grow in resilience, if we're going to practice courage, we need the Holy Spirit. And you know, sometimes courage looks like a marriage proposal. Sometimes it looks like getting up each day after you've lost a loved one. Sometimes it looks like sitting in the hospital waiting room for your next round of chemo. Sometimes it looks like getting up after you've failed again. And sometimes it's just getting up and getting out of bed and getting on with the day. Sometimes that's courage. Sometimes life's like that, that that's what courage can look like. In tough times, it really does take bravery to keep going, to keep putting one foot in front of the other. Some of you may be familiar with an artist called Charlie Mackesy. He's produced a, a number of drawings uh, as part of a recent collection called The Boy, The Mole, The Fox, and The Horse. And they're simple drawings, but they've got really beautiful messages. And there was one that struck me recently. And it says, one day you'll look back and realize how hard it was and just how well you did. One day you'll look back and realize how hard it was and just how well you did. That's resilience. That's resilience. That's going through hard times and going through them well. Coming out the other side, not bitter, not broken, but perhaps even a little bit stronger. You might be in a hard situation right now. You might be facing something, maybe it's the hardest thing you've faced so far. Maybe it's just another struggle that you're facing again. Maybe you're trying to hold it together, maybe you're carrying a heavy burden. 
Let me encourage you this morning to keep on practicing courage. Keep on practicing courage. Do you know who the greatest encourager is? The Holy Spirit. He not only guides us and empowers us and enables us and equips us, but he encourages us, literally fills us with courage, literally gives us courage. He encourages us. And resilience takes courage. But as we keep practicing it, and as we keep being filled with the Holy Spirit, we can do hard things with courage. So what was the consequence of Ruth's resilience? Of the fact that even in a painful time in her life, she chose to press into relationships, she chose to pursue purpose, and she chose to practice courage. Well, she married Boaz, and they had a son. And in this beautiful story, Naomi, who, do you remember at the start? She started out this story in deepest grief, having lost her husband and her sons. She called herself bitter. She blamed God for what was going on. Well, at the end of this incredible story, Naomi is redeemed. Ruth chapter 4, verses 14 to 17. The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. So Naomi regains her security. She regains her family line and she's loved even in her most painful time, she's loved. God provided her with Ruth and all of Ruth's resilience too. You see, Ruth's resilience didn't just impact herself. It didn't just ensure her own survival and, and flourishing in the end. It actually meant that Naomi was able to survive and flourish too. Oh, and in verse 17 that we just read, we learn that um, Ruth and Boaz's son Obed was the father of Jesse, who was the father of David. And David's family line leads to... Jesus. So Ruth's resilience caused her to be the great, 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 great female greats, grandmother of Jesus himself. Isn't that amazing? Living a resilient life isn't just for our own sakes. As you press into relationships, as you pursue purpose, and as you practice courage, others around you feel the impact too. Yes, resilience means that you can get through hard times but it has an impact on those around you too. It has an impact on those that love you and care about you, and even maybe some people who don't even know you that well. Your resilience impacts other people's. And I believe that as God builds resilience in us, that other people can benefit from this too. Amen? Amen. Amen. For some of you, you might have been hearing this message, and you're not yet in a relationship with Jesus, and actually... You've not experienced the kind of resilience that is God-given. You've not experienced the kind of resilience that comes from having the Holy Spirit living within you. But actually, you're wondering about this relationship with Jesus. Well, I want to give you an opportunity this morning to pray a prayer which talks about what Jesus has done for us, that he died for us, he died in our place, he took on all of the stuff in our lives, and he gives us a new start. He gives us a brand new life, not just now here on this earth, but right into eternity as well. And so this prayer is going to come up on the screen, and I just want to encourage us all, we'll all say this prayer together, but it's particularly for you if you've not made this commitment yet. So let's say together, Jesus, 
I acknowledge that I have done wrong things and that my sin has separated me from you. But I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. Today, I ask for your forgiveness and thank you for your gift of new life. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I choose relationship with you and I choose to live for you. Please come into my heart and change my life now and forevermore. Amen. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. To find out more, visit our website at citychurchcardiff.com or find us on social media.